my name is Steph and I'm going to be speaking on raising young children. I'd like to thank Sister Gina for the opportunity to do so. Um, when I was first asked to talk on this subject, I immediately felt unqualified. Uh, do I think I raise my own children well? Maybe, not really. Do I have a lot of areas I can improve? Yes, most definitely. So. While I speak on a few things um, that we have been intentional about, I am in no way saying that our way is the best way. Uh, we have tried to watch those parents around us um, that we feel have the same values as Greg and I and implemented some of those things. Um, so if you've decided to try and fall pregnant, congratulations. For some couples, getting pregnant is an easy process. It may even happen unintentionally, um, but for others it can be a very long process that can take months or even years. Uh, it may involve IVF or perhaps a surrogate, and I'm not going to go into all of that today. Um, but if you are listening to this episode, then you probably have some little ones at home or bigger ones. Yay! <laughs> Um, I found out when I was pregnant that I had these hopes and desires for myself as a parent, my husband, as a father, uh, even desires and hopes for my children. Certain things I remember experiencing as a teenager myself thinking, I, when I'm a parent, I am definitely not doing this or that. Things I remember experiencing that, um, thinking that I hope I can give this to my children one day. And I put these hopes and even expectations on our family. That was definitely mistake number one. Um, and I think they set us up for failure at the beginning. The doctor has you put together a birthing plan. They tell you, you know, it may not go to plan, but you should still have a birthing plan. I would love to see the statistics of how often a birthing plan goes according to the plan of the mother. So immediately, if you're like the general population here, your expectations of that calm, soothing, pain-free birth is out the window. Movies, TV series, the media in general, until probably a few years ago, painted such a calm and joyful um, postpartum period and early years. Um, but in reality, it's not like that most of the time. Um, our first birth was uh, relatively long and painful, um, probably borderline traumatic, either for me or my mother. <laughs> Um, but I did go back again for another one, so it couldn't have been that bad, right? Um, I remember laying on the couch after coming home from giving birth to Ava, my eldest, and just crying. Uh, my mum would come over and I would be on the couch crying. And I remember her uh, asking you know, me, why? Why was I crying? And I really didn't have an answer. <laughs> Uh, it was such a life-altering time, I think. New baby, new routines, new body, tiredness like I had never, ever experienced, uh, hormone levels that I've never, ever experienced. The second time around, though, it was as if my body, I think, knew what it was doing. Funny story, actually. I had had a few contractions, um, so the hospital said, oh, yeah, maybe you should come in. But when we got to the hospital, um, there was parking on the street. So instead of having to pay and go into the underground car park, um, there was parking on the street. And it was free from 7 p.m. And I believe we got there around 6.45 or something. Um, so we just stood by the car and waited for it to tick over to free parking and then went inside and had Reagan three hours later. So... Um, how times had changed, guys. Every dollar counts when you have kids. 
Anyway, my kids are now uh, th nearly three and five. One started school this year, so that's been very exciting. Um, I heard a saying, and I think it definitely encapsulates uh, raising kids. It says, raising young children is a walk in the park, but it's Jurassic Park. <laughs> So I have a few points that I wanted to touch on today, and I'm going to be honest here. When I was thinking about um, what I was going to share on, my first thought was like, oh man, we don't do regular devotions with our kids. We don't make sure they read the Bible every day. We don't extremely limit their screen time. They eat junk, like a lot of junk food. Um, I've raised my two-year-old in a lot of lockdown seasons. She may have a borderline iPad addiction. Uh, just kidding, but I really should look into it. Um, but I felt the Lord really impress on me that those things that I had just rattled off were expectations that I had put on myself. There was this checklist of a, a great parent and parenting in my own mind. But where did this list come from? Who was the author of the list? you know, my own insecurities, my own hopes, dreams, and expectations that I had from the, the kids, uh, what the media was telling me that I should and should not do, what I had maybe seen other mothers do or not do. So I just kind of wanted to touch on a few things. And number one was to be the parent that God has called you to be. And I'm totally going to borrow something that I heard from Dan McLeod on the Hacker podcast just last week. Uh, shout out to the husband doing a phenomenal job interviewing people from around the world um, and sharing some biblical insights. But um, Dan McLeod said that in, in this conversation um, with some people that he was having, he came across the information that in the Hebrew language, there is no word for coincidence. Jews believe that everything and anything, um, it, it doesn't happen by coincidence. And by creating this word in our worldview and vocabulary, we have allowed the thought that things can happen without, with the absence of God. And I believe we need to reject that notion. God knew the children that we would have. He knew what we would be doing with our lives. He knew the victories and valleys that we would experience. He knew that your child may need extra help with their learning. He knew that your child would be maybe a genius at school. He knew that you would have four children um, and blessed you maybe with a spouse that would, would book you some time out of the house. N nothing has taken him by surprise. Nothing has happened by coincidence. And I just wanted to address here this thing called mum guilt. I hate the term. I hate the thought. I hate that it's a trend and being promoted as being something popular. Um, what is mum guilt? It's a term coined by someone somewhere to put a label on a feeling that you are not enough, you are not doing enough um, for your children, you are messing up your children in the long run. And this is a lie from the enemy that we need to reject, I believe, and speak against. The enemy wants to take you out, and by taking you out, it will mean taking your family out. Who is the author of thoughts that make you think that you are not doing enough or being enough to your children? Now, I'm not talking about neglect here, but all the other things, right? God can bring conviction, that feeling of, hey, I could do better here. But God does not bring guilt. I've had so many new mums or expecting mums ask me for advice. And one of the first things I tell them is that God has called them. 
before you become a mum or a dad or a mum and dad, God called you. Your, your job in the workforce, the things you serve in at church or during the week for church. But before you had that car seat in your car, you were called. Your calling doesn't change. God isn't taken by surprise when you decide to have children. Like, oops, didn't see Ava and Reagan coming. I guess I'll go find someone else to do that. Nothing happens by coincidence. Do I love my children? Yes, so much. Do I love working in the secular workforce? Yes, so much. Do I love working and serving at the church in our music department? Yes, so much. Does it mean that I need to juggle a few extra things now? Definitely. Does it mean I need to rely on friends and family a little more? Yes, but you can do it all if you want to. The second thing I wanted to talk about was take joint responsibility for their upbringing as parents. And I get it. One parent normally takes most of the load of raising children in my own family. When I was younger, my mum took most of the responsibility. Um, she would probably say from birth. <laughs> my father works very hard and would often not be home. Um, you know, he would leave before we woke up. He would get home after dinner. On the weekends, I remember seeing him coming home on Saturday afternoons, but I couldn't really recall many at-home memories with him. And not to say that my mum didn't do a good job in raising us children, but with the absence, but the absence of a parent was very much felt. Um, I love this quote from Lisa Bevere. She says, "We will all make mistakes, but we are not allowed to make excuses." And just because you you see a certain behavior modeled one way growing up does not mean that that now has to be the reality of your own family. We are new creations in Christ. We have a renewed mind, renewed thoughts and actions, renewed principles and values. So if there are two parents at home, in your home, both need to take responsibility. If you have to, have that difficult conversation where you come together, be present, both of you, and decide that you're going to raise your children or child together. You are a team. The Bible says that we leave our mother and our father and we become one flesh. Be confident enough to identify what isn't working right now in the current setup. It's, it's not you against the other spouse. It's we are a team and we are going to make this work together. We are better together. Number three is be consistent. And I'm not talking about discipline. I'm saying be consistent in your lifestyle. Set routines. Children generally thrive on routines. Uh, my eldest, Ava, she loves routine. She likes everything in place and organized. She wants to know where we're uh, going, what we're doing, who is going to be there. Uh, she's very observant if things change. Uh, Reagan, on the other hand, is happy to go with the flow. She loves messing things up. Uh, she loves things out on the floor. She loves cracking jokes and making people laugh. However, with those two personalities, we have a routine. We wake up a bit of iPad, we get dressed, we brush our teeth, do our hair. Um, then breakfast, we have maintained this routine even throughout lockdown, even if we were not leaving the house that day or if Ava goes to school and Reagan is staying home. And I'm going to highlight here Reagan um, because Ava is a breeze with this routine. Um, but Reagan, as wild as she is, she knows that once we get dressed, um, in the we go to the bathroom and the next is hair and teeth. And I'm creating healthy habits and routines for the kids to maintain even at a young age and hopefully take with them into later life. 
On Sundays, we go to church, no questions, no other plans. This is what we do, a healthy habit. We pray before bed. We thank Jesus for things, um, you know, that that we've experienced throughout the day. We thank him for people. That's a healthy habit. We listen to church music all the time. Um, Greg, uh, the girls see Greg and I exercise every day. We're, we are modeling healthy behaviors. The girls see my mum's bedroom door closed every morning and they know that she's praying every single morning. Um, they see Greg and I being affectionate towards each other. We're modeling good married behavior. I read this quote um, again from Lisa Bavera and she said, friendly reminder, what you're saying, you are sowing. So not, not are we just um, modeling healthy behaviors, but the things that we're actually professing and saying around the kids. Um, they, everything you are saying to your children and about your children, um, you're sowing. You're sowing into their lives. You're sowing into their minds. What, what kids hear, they repeat. The fourth thing I want to talk about is learning their love languages. And there is a book called The Five Love Languages of Children by Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell. To be honest, <laughs> I haven't read it, but I have read The Love Languages for Adults a few times and um, can see these in my kids already. You could buy Ava a gift and she will remember what you bought her, what it was for, how long ago you bought it for her. Just last week we pulled out some winter pajamas that I had packed away and her first question was, who bought me these? And then she quickly said, oh, I know, I know. It was a present from Mira and Laura for my birthday last year, some friends of hers, which was eight months ago. Um, she's recently started school and they have this points reward system. And I'm not sure how I feel about it all. But anyways, um, if you get a certain amount of points, you get to be star of the day. And she has been star of the day three times in nine weeks. And um, I think that's a really high amount. But anyway... Um, I, I think she could totally be a teacher's aide if they had that position. She just loves being told um, that she's been super helpful and that she is amazing. It absolutely fills her love tank. Reagan, on the other hand, will ask to sit on my lap or be involved when I'm cooking so often. She just wants to be close to me at all times. The poor kid was only bottle fed, so perhaps uh, she's making up for all of that. Um, but she just wants to be around us all the time, involved in what we're doing. You could buy her a gift and with ten, within 10 minutes, she is over it and would have no idea where it came from, where it ended up or whether she even liked it. Um, if the only way I knew how to express love is by buying things for my children, uh, then Ava's love tank would be full, but Reagan's would be on empty. And last but not least, point number five is get away from your kids. <laughs> We've been so blessed to have family and friends who are like family to us. From the beginning, they have absolutely buoyed me through motherhood. Um, and if you don't have family close to you, I'd, I would encourage you to connect with friends, to build a strong relationship with them so that you can offload your children for a few hours or days. <laughs> it is imperative for your marriage. Trying to have a conversation with Greg when the kids around uh, when the kids are around is impossible. If we're in the car, we're probably listening to a kids' movie soundtrack or some church music. If we're at home, they are asking us to do something or telling us about their day. 
When is the last time that you had a hot meal with your husband or wife and neither of you were feeding someone else? And uh, I know that thought is probably absolutely blowing your mind right now. Uh, you do not love them any less because you need 24 hours away from them. You know, Jesus himself went, in the t went into the desert to pray and fast. If Jesus himself needs time away from the crowd, then I don't think I'm sinning by needing time away from my children. Also, these people other than you can teach your children things that you cannot. Interacting with other people besides mum and dad is imperative for their development. There is no handbook for raising young children to ensure that they turn out uh, into thriving teenagers and then they go on to be healthy adults with families of their own. But what we do have are those godly parents around us to model our behavior from. We have the word of God to guide us in how we do things and live our lives um, for our children to model. And we have the Lord who is very present, uh, who is a very present help in every situation. And so in closing today, I wanted to just pray for all um, the mums listening to this, that God would help us um, and encourage us to continue um, to carry the calling of being a parent um, in this absolutely crazy world at the moment. So let's just pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity today to um, listen, Lord, and, and to hopefully uh, gain some knowledge or gain some ideas, Lord, of what we can maybe do better or do better at. Lord, I pray for every parent listening to this, every mum and maybe even dad, God, that you would help them to um, have direction, Lord, as we navigate parenthood and motherhood, Lord, in this crazy world that we find ourselves in, Lord, that you would help us to be examples to our children, God, of your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I pray that you would help us to speak the love languages of our children, that we would be able to minister to them, oh God, that they would see you in us, Lord, until they are old enough to have a relationship for themselves. God, I pray for your, um, your peace to cover every parent. Lord, as we face tricky situations, God, with governments and, and regulations in our own states, Lord, and territories, and even around the world in different countries, God, I pray that you would help us to navigate these with your word, God, as our compass and, and your voice, Lord, as our compass, God. I pray for every mum, Lord, that you would... Um, Lord, erase this thing called mum guilt. If they're feeling it, if they have let it um, speak into their lives, God, I, I come against that and I, and I speak the word of the Lord over it, Lord God, that you have given us the promise that you are a very present help, Lord, in a time of trouble, that we are loved and we are called and we are chosen, God, and that you would never give us more to carry more than we can bear, oh God. So I pray for your peace. I pray for your love to cover every parent. And we thank you for calling us to be mums and dads. We thank you for the opportunity to lead these young children, God, and to, to raise them up, Lord, to, be, to love you and to serve you. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.